And man, I, I love this church, and I love to see the Lord working in it. Thank you so much for that, Kent. As Melanie mentioned, we are kicking off the book of Titus today. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open them with me, whether on your phone or your uh, hard copy, then please turn to Titus. And we'll begin in chapter 1, verse 1. But before I really get started, really start reading the book, I'd like to try to summarize it for you with this picture. If I was going to try to draw a picture of the book of Titus uh, for you, this is what I would draw. Titus is going to insist that the Christian life is both faith and works. And a good way for me to think about this is like a tree, like faith, knowledge, understanding is at the root, and that gives life to, strengthens our conduct or our work, the way we live. So, one of the problems that you see throughout the Bible and you see in churches today is when people try to separate conduct from belief. And we call this legalism. So when we try to separate um, what we do from the roots of belief or knowledge or faith. What this looks like at, in church world is when people say, look, all you need to do is obey these rules and you'll be better. All you need to do to live a good Christian life is keep these commandments. All you need to do to live a good Christian life is dress like this, don't do that, make sure you do this, and everything will be fine. The problem with that is, as, as you know if you've experienced this, is it's really cut off from its source of power. It'd be like trying to move a tree without moving the roots. Like, I don't like where the tree is. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut it off and we're going to drag it over and we're going to prop it up. How would that go? Not great because it's cut off from its source of life. In the same way, it's the same way when we tell people just do these things when we, they don't have the faith or the understanding in God and in his grace to help them understand why and how and access to his power. Okay? The other problem would be when people try to have, uh, if you're taking notes, I'm sorry, I skipped that. So if legalism is not having faith in God's power, it's cutting off, um, cutting off works from faith. The other problem is just like it. It's mental ascent. It's where we know lots of correct facts, but we don't have any works. So it's kind of like, just in a secular sense, like in an everyday sense, you, you know what this means, when you know a lot more about eating healthy, healthy than you actually practice. You know, I know the right stuff to eat, but I don't actually eat that stuff, right? I know I should exercise, but I don't actually get around to exercise. I know I should do a budget, but who has time for a budget? It's... It's giving mental assent to correct facts, but that's totally disconnected from our works. It's like the worst kind of intellectualism, where we know lots of truth, but we're not actually doing anything about it. See, the problem with both of these is it really is a barrier to people who are on the outside. And you might be far from God this morning, or you might be checking church out for the first time because you're not sure this morning, or you might be questioning this morning. And this has really, really been a problem is Christians who say things that is maybe incongruence with the Bible, but 
live totally different than what they say. They're, what they say and what they actually do are not the same thing. They're a long ways apart. They'll talk about love, but then they live out hate. This is the problem, I think, that Titus is written to address, this distinction between what we know and what we do. So you see this in chapter 1, verse 16. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. So they talk a lot about knowledge and understanding. They'll say correct things, but they don't actually live it out. These are, these are the opponents that Paul is writing against. They profess to know God. They, they're not saying wrong things. It, it, not all the time anyway. Sometimes they are. But they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So Titus's goal is to help us align our faith with our works and the the word he has for this is godliness. That our, what we know about God would grow into right actions or good works is going to be what he calls that again and again and again throughout the book. And the bringing together of faith and conduct is called godliness. It's the integration of faith and Works. Okay, so that's like the answer key to the book. That's the picture I want you to have in your mind as we start reading. That Titus wants you to integrate your beliefs with your action so you're not a hypocrite. So that you actually have the power to live a godly life. An integrated, godly life. By the way, by the way, just to help you process this. Do you think you were raised more like this, just do the right things? Or do you think you were raised more like this, just know the right things? And what have you been reacting to for years? Just a question for you to think about as we go this morning. Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the sake of the faith of God's elect. Do you see that? He's starting with faith. Is faith a roots or a leaves issue? Faith is a root of the tree issue. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Now watch this. Which accords with godliness. So this is what I'm saying, that Paul, right at the beginning of his letter, as he's kicking it off, he's telling them, here's why I am an apostle. I'm an apostle to strengthen the root issue of faith so that people have correct knowledge. And what I hope that accomplishes in people's life is that they would live godly, integrated, whole lives. And what that leads to is the hope of eternal life. So, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. So, this is a roots of the tree issue that Paul is giving them. That they would have faith, knowledge, and hope. And they can hope in God because God never lies. 
unlike the folks in Crete. So it says about Cretans, look, if, if you have your Bibles open to chapter 1, you could look at chapter 1, verse 12. One of the Cretans, Titus is on Crete, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, so he's quoting one of them about them, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. One of my funniest verses in the Bible is then verse 13, this testimony is true. He's like, not only did they say that, he's right. Like, this is the culture that I'm writing to, and here's the thing. Okay, listen, this is the thing. Cretans are evil beasts, liars, and lazy gluttons, and Paul expects the gospel to make a difference in their lives. He really does. He really thinks the gospel is going to change their lives and make them godly. And by godly, what I mean is correct belief and correct conduct. Which God promised, because we have hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching which I have been entrusted. So he's like, this is life-giving stuff. This is godliness-giving stuff. This is life-integrated-giving stuff. This preaching which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our, what's that last word? Savior. Savior. Really important word. Watch that word. To Titus. My true child in a common faith. In other words, we have the same faith. We believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Same faith that those folks expressed that got baptized last Wednesday. It's a common faith. It's a faith that we have in common with the Apostle Paul that we received from the Lord Jesus himself. Grace and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus are, what's that last word? Our Savior. Here is a roots of the tree belief that God saves us from our sin. This is one of the key teachings in the book of Titus. A lot of people, when they think of the book of Titus, think of it as a very practical book, and it is a very practical book. It's a book written to a pastor who is pastoring a church and is telling him how to be a pastor of a church. But it is an intensely theological book in the sense that it is really insisting that God is our Savior through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if we think that's as important as the Apostle Paul thinks that is. Because I think that what, what we think is, well, there's a lot of other really important things in the world. Like really getting medicine right. That's really important. Really getting the right mental health. That's really important. Really getting the right education. That's really important. Really growing economically. That's really important. But the Apostle Paul would say, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. This is the thing that you have to have. All that other stuff is fine. This is the thing that you have to have. God is our Savior. Here's why he'd say that. If you look at chapter 2, verse 11 of Titus, I'm just trying to give you an overview of the book a little bit. Chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God, that's, that's key, it's not your own work. So we're going to talk a lot about works in this series, but that's going to be on the other side of grace. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. This, my, my friends, this is the hope of the world. 
This message that is entrusted to the church is the hope of the world. Training us, that's a really important word, training us to renounce ungodliness. Hey, have you seen ungodliness? If I could make that green in your Bible, I would. Because that's the same word as in 1-1, except the un on the beginning of it. Training us to renounce ungodliness, that bifurcation of faith and works, or just lean towards sin, and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and what's that next word? Godly lives in the present age, waiting for a blessed hope, that's the hope of eternal life that we read about earlier, waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, so it's me for you, it's him for us, he died in our place, to redeem us from all lawlessness, he took our sin guilt on himself as we broke God's moral law. He died in our place, taking our sin guilt onto himself so that we could be counted justified, just as though we'd never sinned. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for, what's that last two words? Good works. Yeah, good deeds, good works conduct. Here's the thing. God saves us from our sins. And, and this, is, this is why we are so amped up about this. This is why this is the center of our message. This is why I'm putting something up on the screen that you already know is true, that God saves us from our sins. It's because it bears repeating. It's so important that you, that you feel the weight of this, that I feel the weight of this, that we feel the weight of this. Because here's the thing. Medicine is awesome, and we've, we've benefited. I think everybody in this room, at one point or another, has benefited from medicine. But you can be the healthiest person and still be carrying sin guilt around. And still be carrying sin dirt around. To still be in your sin, and someday when you die, go to hell. This is why what Paul says about God being our Savior is so important because he redeems us from all lawlessness and purifies us for himself. This is why the counseling, uh, counseling is so important. It does help people live a balanced life, or at least it can help people live a balanced life. It can. But you can be healthy and balanced and still be carrying around sin guilt and still be impure because of sin. You can, you, can, you can be healthy and balanced and, be, and know you're still in your sin and someday when you die, go to hell. That's, that's not me making that up. That's from the words of our Lord. Yeah, buddy. Let's talk, about, let's talk about medicine after the service, but the thing is, when we're messed up, that's why we need the Savior, and that's what we're talking about. So let's, let's talk more about that. Yeah, let's talk more about that after the service. So we talked about, too, like sometimes education is really, I mean, that's a really good thing. I'm, I'm glad my kids are getting educated. I'm glad for my education. Like, I, I've maxed out, I think, what I can do with, with school. Like, I really am for it. But you can be a really smart sinner 
and still be carrying around sin guilt and still someday die and go to hell. Like, economics is really important. I'm really glad that people can make money. I'm really glad for job creation. I'm really glad for uh, businesses. And I, I mean, we, we could not do what we do without our business people. I, I'm so thankful for all of you. But you can be really rich and still be in your sin and still die and go to hell someday. So here's the thing. You could be really rich. You could be really smart. You could be really well-balanced. And you can be really healthy and still be dead in your sins and still go to hell someday. This is why what we're saying that God is our Savior is the hope of the world. That's why this is the center of what we teach and preach, that God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, saves us from our sins. This is a root of the tree issue. And it works itself out in what we actually do. So we don't want to just talk about how we're saved from sin. We want to go free from sin and give ourselves to good works. So give yourself to good works. This is what Titus is is about, is this alignment of I am saved from my sins and I'm giving myself to good works. So you can see this in chapter 2, verse 14, that God purified for himself a people for his possessions who are zealous for good works. And then down in chapter 3, verse 8, this saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who believed, that's important, that's a root of the tree issue, those who believed in God may be careful, as a result, to devote themselves to good works. That's a, that's a stem, or that's a leaves of the tree issue. Chapter 3, verse 14, let people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help the cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So we want to live integrated lives. We want our faith to come out in what we do. We want the fact that we're saying, I've been saved from my sin. I am God's and he is mine. We want them, that to come out in how we renounce ungodliness and we pursue God with our whole lives. We're trying to live integrated lives. And this is called, we learned in chapter 1, verse 1, this is called godliness. This will be a key theme throughout the book, living integrated lives. And the other word that you'll see the Apostle Paul use for godliness is health or soundness. Like someone saying, um, in the year of our Lord, etc., etc., being of sound mind means being of like healthy mind. When Jesus is um, in the book of John, I think it's verse, it's chapter four, when Jesus is meeting the guy who's um, paralyzed and he's laying by the pool and he can't get in the pool in time and Jesus stops and asks him a question. And he says, do you want to be, and that's that, this is that same word, healthy? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be made well? Do you, do you want to be sound? Or do you kind of like being sick? Jesus stops and asks him, before I, you know, before I heal you, I just want to know what you really want. Because not everybody wants to be made well. Not everybody wants health. Some people don't. And this is a book for people who want to be made well, who want to be made sound. 
And soundness is the integration of faith and works. To have a sound faith, a healthy faith, is to result in good works. And to have good works in a good way means it's growing out of a sound and healthy faith. This is why we're calling this series Faith Works. Because it's a correlation of faith and works. So, I can't assign homework because I have no authority over you whatsoever in that sense. I can't give you grades. I can't, you know, I I have nothing to hold over your head. But if I could assign homework, here's what I would assign. I'd assign for you to read the book of Titus. Not super long. In my Bible, as it's open, it's on one page and then the other. It's a pretty short read. There's three chapters. I'd invite you to read the book of Titus. Read it for yourself. And I want you to ask, the first question is, am I saved? Like, this is a roots of the tree issue. This is, am I, am I born again or am I not born again? Am I going to hell or am I not going, am I going to heaven? Like, this is a really big, really important question. It doesn't get more, a bigger question than this. And if, you're, if you are into counting, um, the words Savior, saved, and salvation are used eight times. If you like If you like to really study your Bible, you might find all eight times that Savior, saved, or salvation are used. Second question is like it. The second question is, am I living an integrated life? Is there correlation between what I believe, what I say I believe, and what I am actually doing? So am I living a godly life? We saw that in chapter 1, verse 1, which accords with godliness, okay? So if you like to study, there's only three chapters here, so you might find all six times that good works are mentioned. Sometimes it's good works singular, sometimes it's good works plural. And all six times faith is mentioned. Do you see how balanced that is, though? Isn't that amazing? Which one was Paul more concerned about? Was he more concerned about what you know and what you believe, or was he more concerned about what you are doing and your conduct. Yes, he was concerned about both of them. Very much so. So let's live integrated lives. And so you might be asking yourself why you're finding all six times good work or good works is talked about or all six times faith is talked about. You might be asking, am I living an integrated life? Now, if you you want to, I'm going to really make a mess of your Bible, but you could star salvation, like I have up there, and you could underline good works and you could circle the times faith so that when you're looking for it, you can find it easier. And third, third, remember this is written to a pastor who is pastoring a church. This is written about church life. The implication is, please, 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 I'm pausing so it's really awkward and you are like, is he talking to me? Like, is there something? What's what's going on? Please, don't do this alone. Please talk with someone about how integrated or not integrated your life is. Part of the root of the tree beliefs is that 
you are part of the people of God. I sped by it really fast, but in chapter 1, verse 1, he writes, Paul, a servant of Christ, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. That is the people of God, God's chosen people. You are not the only person chosen. You are part of something bigger. You're part of the church. I know you would say you believe that, so put that into practice and talk to someone about the integration of your faith and your works. I mean, chapter 2, verse 14 says that our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, I have that circled in red, so I see it, us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Us, us, a people, that's plural, like that you're part of a group. I know you would say that you're part of a group. I know that you would say you're not in this by yourself. So put that into practice and talk to somebody about the integration of faith and works. Hey, what's more important than this? What's more important than knowing you're saved? What's more important than knowing that God has saved you, he's washed away your sin guilt, he's purified you, and he's given you the hope of eternal life? What's more important than that? Read Titus this week and and ask, am I saved? He gave himself for me, am I saved? Read Titus this week and ask, like, what's more important than living an integrated life, Christian? I mean, is it better to live as a hypocrite? An unexamined hypocrite? You don't want to do that. You don't want to go through life living in a way that saying true things but denying him with your works. You don't want to be another hypocrite. The world has plenty of hypocrites. What's more important than really examining your life and making sure your faith and your works are integrated? And if you put your faith into practice, and talk to somebody about this. It will confirm what you believe about the church, and it will help you. It will help you change. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you, through the person of your Son Jesus, saved us, washed away our sin, made us your own, so that we would give ourselves to good works. Keep us close to you, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.